Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. The president just spoke about the uh, aftermath of the execution of an American reporter by ISIS, Bill. What did you think of the president's comments today? I mean, I thought they were pretty pathetic, honestly. He tried to seem angry. I'm sure he is angry. He doesn't like to see uh, an innocent man murdered by a horrible terrorist group that's already got the blood of, I guess, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands on his hands. But the, what he said, I thought, was pretty appalling. I mean, he said the entire world is appalled by the murder, and uh, God certainly can't condone this. That's all true, but it doesn't really deal with the problem of actually dealing with ISIS, acting against ISIS here in the real world. And I was, I was particularly struck by his sentences. He said, people like this, like ISIS, ultimately fail. They fail because the future is won by those who build and not destroy. Well, that's very nice, and I would like to believe that, and I think there's some truth to that, but, you know, the Nazis ultimately failed. At first, they killed six million Jews and caused the deaths of tens of millions of others in Europe and around the world. So it's a little bit much to just sit back and say, well, don't worry, they'll fail. And then he tries to say at the end, President Obama, well, but, you know, we're concerned about our security, we're going to work with the Iraqis. I mean, there was just a total lack of a sense of, these are horrible, barbarous murderers who are out to get us, who just killed an American, and we need to act against them. Yeah, it was. I, I get a sense from the White House that they think that securing the lives of Americans is a UN or a international job, as opposed to I think the vision Americans have or want to have, which is telling the bad guys around the world, "Look, if you kill other people, it's, we're going to have a problem with you. But if you kill one of ours, we're really going to have a problem with you." I, I, did, I don't get a sense from this White House that they see that the American people, when we travel abroad, look to them as kind of our guarantors of our security and that it should matter that you cross the line and killed an American. No, I think that's a good point, Michael. If you look at what he said, he'd be right out of way to begin his little remarks by saying the entire world is appalled by the brutal murder of Jim Foley and that the, the murder of Foley shocks the conscience of the entire world. As if, as if, I think for President Obama, you need to say that. I mean, that gives it more legitimacy, more credibility. If he'd begun by saying, we Americans are horrified by the murder of our fellow Americans, well, that's just us. That's just America. You know, the whole world is appalled. Obviously, what hopes the whole world is appalled, but frankly, what does it matter if the whole world is appalled? And does it add uh, strength to a statement? Does it add weight to a statement to say the whole world is appalled? He thinks it does, because he's a citizen of the world, and we uh, should only do things that the kind of whole world is on board with. As a result, we're not doing anything. You know, he didn't announce, I kind of assumed he would get up and announce that we've uh, launched airstrikes against, you know, 25 ISIS uh, command and control centers and, and, and jihadists and other groups. We, we, we know we won't, we'll do more in the future, but this is just a start to teach them uh, to pay they can pay a price for their horrible murder. He said nothing. No action. We're, we're appalled. The whole world's appalled. The whole world should hope that the 21st century doesn't... Uh, turn out too badly. And then there was the other uh, reaction. I was uh, a little bit taken aback by the number of headlines that I saw using the word shocked or shocking about what ISIS did to this reporter. And I'm thinking to myself, anyone who's shocked by what radical Islamists have done in the name of their ideology slash faith, and in particular, ISIS with mass crucifixions that they display on YouTube. You, you have to have been in a coma since, I don't know, back maybe the late Carter administration to not know that this is the horror that is committed by the people who are part of this evil ideology. 
I mean, it is shocking, so I can understand, you know, even to see the, I didn't watch the, the video, but to even read about it is, is shocking, even if one sort of expects no better of them, and even as you say, if one's heard about, you know, the crucifixions and everything else, it's sort of different to see, I guess, uh, the video, and even though Daniel Pearl, we had that, what, that was over a decade ago, and it's not as if this is unprecedented for them to murder on videotape an American, and and this was a fight. Well, fight different well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this idea. way: I get a sense that there are some people who are kind of who have been up until recently really trying to downplay. Well, yeah. let's face it: during the entire global war of terror, they've been trying to downplay the problem of radical Islam and Islamists willing to act. We've seen this fight in the inside the Pentagon and in the foreign policy infrastructure. And but in particular with ISIS, so you've had people all along kind of, oh, this is just a you know what, what the JV team and the kind right. of some renegades and no big deal and you know it's it's they're bad, but come on, it's not like it's Hitler. And then you. And all along, people have been trying to tell the folks who've been kind of downplaying the danger, you need to look at how awful these people are. These aren't just people out taking territory. These are people committing atrocities every step they go. And I think that was part of the shock, Bill, was that there were some people who really didn't get just how awful ISIS and its views are. No, I very much agree with that. And I mean, President Obama's policy still is, they shouldn't, you know, starve 40,000 Yazidis on a mountain. That has to be, we'll do some humanitarian drops, a little bombing. They shouldn't conquer Kurdistan or Baghdad, so we might do a little bombing to stop that. But otherwise, we're just kind of containing ISIS. We're not really doing, and certainly in Syria, we're doing nothing. So we're not really doing anything to defeat or destroy ISIS. Maybe a couple of one hopes of covert operations, a little bit more bombing. But, I mean, there's no sense of urgency that, that, that this is, as you said, just a horrible group motivated by an evil but powerful ideology in that part of the world, unfortunately, able to recruit more and more people, obviously, especially if they're winning. Osama bin Laden said that, the strong horse in the Middle East, you know, prevails. They've looked like the strong horse for the last few years. Obama's looked like the weak horse. That's helped them a lot. It's going to be harder to set them back now than it would have been three years ago, than it would have been five, seven years ago. Bush was basically right about that. You've got to take the war to them and make them, put them on the defensive. Um, now, I don't know if this president is capable of it. I mean, I, I shudder, though, when I think two more years of him in office. I mean, the amount of damage that could be done uh, is really extraordinary. And I, I do, therefore, as an American, I have low opinion of President Obama, but as an American, I really do hope he. this is a bit of a wake-up for him. But I, then I saw that statement today, and I just thought, my God, he's still in denial. Uh, the White House, I can already hear them saying, oh, Bill Crystal's so unfair and partisan. Look at our successes in Syria and the recent successes in Iraq using uh, air power to turn back ISIS to get the Mosul Dam back in the control of somebody in Iraq. Uh, aren't things, turn, haven't we turned the corner, Bill? Aren't things going well? Well, it's better to stop their advance than not, but there's no evidence that we have any interest in actually going after them as opposed to maybe containing and stopping them. And maybe this is what what they did yesterday, the murder of Foley, was a kind of reaction to the fact that we did a little bit to show that they're not intimidated, but we now need to react to them. You know, I mean, this is not a, a, you know, we don't get to sort of say, okay, we did some bombing, the Mosul Dam for now is safe, so uh, it's deplorable what happened, but we're not going to do anything. And I, uh, this should be a real reminder that, you know, either you're winning or you're losing. This is a zero-sum game. This is not some complex, you know, Obama-like smart power. Everyone can sort of win. Either we're winning or ISIS is winning. And I don't think you can honestly look at the Middle East over the last three, six, nine, twelve 12 months and say we're winning.
Uh, I was talking to uh, Eli Lake, who writes about these things a lot today, and I gave him the. I, I asked him about the idea that because President Obama has, you know, chosen to lead from behind because he has made deals like the deal for the five Taliban terrorists for uh, American Bo Bergdahl, uh, because he's drawn red lines and walked away from that, he's kind of encouraged ISIS to do something as dramatic as taking an American citizen journalist and executing him on on YouTube. And he didn't. Uh, he said, "I won't make the direct connection." But he did agree that there's a broader climate, if you will, of kind of the where uh, how American foreign policy is perceived that makes once unimaginable actions against Americans more imaginable. Is that a fair criticism of President Obama or is ISIS just ISIS and they're going to do whatever they do no matter what we do? Well, they're going to try to do whatever they do. And, and so I think the question then is how much should we uh, destroyed them, damaged them, degraded them, made it harder for them to rally opponents to them, made it harder for them to do what they would like to do. And I think the answer there is, unfortunately, we haven't done very much. Uh, I think they could have been nipped in the bud to some degree in Syria. Uh, they could have been stopped earlier on Iraq. Certainly, if we had 10,000 troops in Iraq, the situation would look very different, I think. This is not a, ultimately such a fantastically formidable fighting force, but if they're not opposed and opposed in a serious way, they can build up momentum, and I think that's what's happened. One last question for you. Uh, I don't know how much foreign policy is going to play in the 2014 elections, other than that the general sense that things aren't going well, and so that doesn't you know, help uh, President Obama or the Democrats. But you can make the case that while none of the five Taliban terrorists that we released participated in this beheading, they certainly would. They'd be more than happy to arrange a future beheading. I mean, this is, in other words, this is who they are, and we chose to release them while we're in combat. Not just some guys caught, you know, uh, you know, in a cave somewhere, but rather leaders in this movement. Is do you think President Obama, if, when people see the, the violence continuing, and, and if, if they put together the hey, he's releasing terror leaders to the terror war while it's ongoing, do you think that voters will remember that in November, or is that going to get swamped by everything else? I think foreign policy in general, I'm not sure the Gitmo releases in particular, but foreign policy in general will be a big issue in November, at least a big backdrop issue. Uh, if you don't want, the only way to send a message that you are very worried about Obama's foreign policy as about his domestic policy is to vote against a Democratic senator or a Democratic congressman. So I think it will have a backdrop effect. And I, I think, and certainly for 2016, it will be huge, I think, in terms of where the presidential candidates need to go. But I think even this year, I've talked to two Senate candidates, as it happens to Republican Senate candidates in the last uh, 24 hours, and both of them say that spontaneously now the foreign policy issues are being raised and, you know, that people want to know what could you do to perhaps uh, to change this. And obviously there's a limit to what a Republican senator or congressman can do to change President Obama's foreign policy, but you could insist on a reasonable defense budget. You could prevent a bad deal from Iran if you're in the Senate. You could reimpose sanctions. And you could at least, um, Guantanamo, the Congress has a role to play. They prevented it from shutting it down. And in general, I think a Republican party that vociferously challenged President Obama's conduct of the war on terror, or I should say non-conduct of the war on terror, is walking away from the war on terror, I think such a Republican Party would be good for the country and to have it there in 2015, 2016. And I think Republican Senate and House candidates are increasingly making that point. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.